it's a pleasure to be here today, and it's a pleasure to, to speak with you. Um, I can't tell you how flattered I am that my good friend and mentor, um, Dr. Del Justi, um, invited me to participate in uh, this symposium today. Um, having been an undergraduate, a medical student, a resident, and for a while a faculty member at UC San Diego, I really do consider it um, a home in many, many ways and a, a place that I'm very grateful to for the wonderful um, training and education I've gotten. These are my recent conflicts of interests. And uh, these are my collaborators. Um, the best ideas come from working with many wonderful, intelligent, talented, and generous people. And I do want to acknowledge them. We're going to first talk a little bit about inflammation. Inflammation has become a really important concept in, in health. Um, however, I think it's a, a concept that at times is poorly understood. And by that, I mean the, the following. We need inflammation. We need normal inflammation, acute responses to irritants, to frostbite, to cuts, to trauma, to allergic reactions, to infections in order to heal and to preserve our, the integrity of our body. Where we run into difficulty is when we have chronic inflammatory states, such as rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune diseases, and there seems to be linkages to cardiovascular disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's disease. When you have a chronic inflammatory state, there are a host of changes that occur in the body. I just want to highlight a couple of those right now. One is the presence of depressive symptoms and fatigue. Um, others include um, problems with um, the, the immune system, and in particular, uh, real shifts in, in certain components of the immune system um, that um, alter our stress hormones and alter a lot of different responses in our body. Another shift that occurs is that we go from a normal balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic tone to a balance where our fight or flight or sympathetic tone is enhanced. And the, this all can lead to really problematic um, concerns throughout the body, but I want to focus on the brain for a minute. In this slide, what you see on the left-hand side is a brain scan of a person who has Parkinson's disease and depression, and what the red there represents is increased oscillatory burst activity that is due to a decrease in a brain compound called dopamine in the brain. What one sees on the right-hand side is inflammatory depression. In this case, it was induced by a treatment used for hepatitis C and for um, treating melanoma, um, interferon alpha. And what again you see is the same type of increased burst activity suggesting a decrease in dopamine in the inflammatory depression. In this slide, what we have are a group of people that were recruited in with depression. And by measuring a certain stable, more stable protein that is a marker of inflammation called C-reactive protein or, or uh, CRP, what we see is that 
Some people with depression have low levels of CRP, some have intermediate levels, and some have high levels of CRP. The other thing that these two slides show us is that in people with more inflammation and higher CRP, they also have higher levels of another neurotransmitter in the brain called glutamate. And so we're seeing with inflammatory depression, in decreased dopamine levels and increased glutamate levels. And this increase in glutamate level is not only associated in, in slide A with worsening depression symptoms, but in slide B, what we see is that it's associated, part of slide B, it's associated with a decreased motor speed, the ability to tap your finger rapidly. And in slide C, what you're seeing is that um, you have a decreased reaction time associated with increased glutamate um, in the basal ganglia of the brain. And in D, what we see is there's a decrease in sort of cognitive flexibility associated with it. So we're seeing with inflammatory depression, changes in um, neurotransmitters and changes in neuropsychological functioning. What we also see is a dissociation between the brain electrical activities in different parts of the brain. And in particular, the frontal part of the brain, which is really used for thinking and sort of controls um, other parts of the brain, particularly more primitive parts of the brain. In this case, the frontal part of the brain is disassociated um, from the basal ganglia where there's that increased glutamate. So some people have inflammatory depression and these people have changes in the connectivity in their brain as well as in um, discrete functions and neurotransmitters. And that's what this summary side talks about there. What I want to, to do is talk a little bit about omega-3 fatty acids, in particular um, DHA and, and EPA or EPA. Um, omega-3 fatty acids cannot be synthesized de novo in the body. You have to eat foods that are rich in omega-3s in order to have them in your body. And omega-3 fatty acids are important because they're part of the, the membrane of, of, of neurons and cells. And also what we're gonna focus on is that they also are important for decreasing inflammation. The first study I wanted to briefly discuss was a study that we did with Mass General Hospital. And we looked at 177 people, garden variety depression, and they were treated with one gram of, of EPA, omega-3, one gram of DHA, omega-3, or placebo for eight weeks. We had hypothesized that if we were going to see a response to the omega-3s, it was going to be in those people with depression who also had chronic inflammation. And what we were able to show in this study were a, a couple of important points. One was that the more your um, BMI increased, the, the more excess weight you had on you, the more likely you were to have higher levels of, of CRP and other inflammatory markers, and the more likely you were, you were to have a, a dysregulation in um, 
hormones that are associated with fat, leptin and adiponectin. What we also showed in the study is, again, there was a really tight correlation between weight change and the number of positive markers that one had of, of inflammation. And it was highest in obese women. And it was a much stronger finding with 93% of obese women having a minimum of one inflammatory marker and almost 50% having four to five inflammatory markers. The same held it with men, but the finding was not nearly as strong. What we also showed in that study, and this is a complicated slide, but what you see with the four to five marker group is that if you had four to five markers of inflammation and you were treated with EPA, you had a really large decrease in your symptoms of depression, more than 11 points. And this was associated with what we call a really large effect size. And effect size is a measure of um, really how different that the changes are from, in this case, either placebo or even from the other um, active treatment DHA. And in this case, um, EPA at one gram a day caused a really profound decrease in these symptoms of depression. However, if you had no markers of inflammation, you did worse with EPA than you did with placebo. And we think this talks about the fact that you wanna use the, the right treatment with the right person. And that if you use treatment shotgun with everybody, there are gonna be some people where that treatment doesn't, not, doesn't work. And in fact, makes people worse. Anyway, this study led us to an, an additional study that was the first um, experimental therapeutic study actually funded at NIH and the first experimental therapeutic study funded by the National Center for Complementary and Integrated Health. This involved our colleagues at Mass General and, our, and my team at Emory at the time. We looked at three different doses of omega-3 fatty acids one gram a day of EPA, two grams a day of EPA, four grams a day of EPA, or placebo. And what we were trying to see is, is there a certain dose that was better than other doses? And what we found when we were looking at a sustained effect over 12 weeks, which dose of EPA had most people get better, have at least a 50% reduction in symptoms. What we found was that four grams of EPA a day had a profound effect on the number of people who got better um, with a significant reduction in depressive symptoms. What we also showed was that four gram a day that was associated with decreasing depressive symptoms was also associated with decreasing inflammation as measured by um, CRP. We were really interested in omega-3s for the following reason. What you see here is sort of what happens acutely if, if you get inflammation going on. Well, most of the treatments that we use, you know, you see all those ads on TV for um, infliximab, you see these ads for all of these different biologics. What these biologics are doing is forming monoclonal antibodies 
that then bind to and inhibit the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. So what they're doing is inhibiting somebody from having a normal immune response, or in certain cases, an exaggerated immune response. But what that means though, is that it may make you more susceptible to getting ill. Um, you know, if you get an infection or have something else happen. We were interested in omega-3s because what omega-3s work on is resolving inflammation. So they're not inhibiting um, an inflammatory res response. They're working on the other part. Okay, if you have inflammation, what, how does the body normally resolve it? And as it turns out, the major mediators of the resolution of, of inflammation are synthesized in the body from omega-3 fatty acids, EPA, and DHA. So we're really interested in that resolving of it. If one looks at, at our bodies and biosynthesis, the Western diet is very, very high on, in omega-6 fatty acids. It's high in processed foods. It's high in um, a lot of the meat products that we eat. And omega-6 fatty acids tend to predispose our body to produce uh, compounds that are called leukotrienes and, and things that enhance inflammation and stimulate inflammation. You know, all that work on the Mediterranean diet and the idea of, of vegetarian diets, what those tend to do are, those are diets that tend to shift you away from omega-6 um, foods and towards omega-3 rich foods like flaxseed, like fish, um, like seaweed. And in particular, if EPA and DHA produce these anti-inflammatory compounds that are called resolvins and myanserins. And so we were interested to see if you increase the amount of, of, of EPA a lot, as we did with four grams a day, what does it do to these pathways? And the reason why we're interested in the resolvins is that in animal models, they have antidepressant effects, particularly in animal models of inflammatory depression. And lo and behold, here you see that baseline placebo, the one gram group, the two gram group, and, the, and then the four gram group. And what you see is that once you add the, the, you know, the omega-3s, you get a dose-dependent increase in these precursors of the resolvins, like H18-HEPE, which also has anti-inflammatory properties. But what you really see is a dose-dependent increase in these resolvins. And in fact, if you look at RVE3, you go from essentially none to a large number of these resolvins being present. Conversely, if we look at that inflammatory pathway, the arachidonic acid pathway, what happens is the four grams a day of, of EPA ends up being a competitive substrate for the enzymes that are normally um, shifted towards producing inflammatory molecules. And the four grams sort of swamps that pathway and pushes it towards an anti-inflammatory pathway, what's called LOXB4. So we're seeing 
that the, the omega-3 supplementation at high doses in inflamed individuals um, are shifting a host of metabolic pathways towards anti-inflammation. When we looked at folks that were responders in that four-gram group, because not everybody got well, but what we saw in those people that did respond was there was a massive increase in this pro-resolving molecule 18 ATPE, significant increases in resolvents E2 and E3, and a decrease, a really large decrease in HSCRP when you contrast it to the folks that didn't get better. So where are we going? Um, one of the things I'm really excited about is that with um, Dr. Justy and, and his team at UCSD, um, we're engaged in a foresight grant application with the University of Utah, UC San Diego, and the Stein Institute, um, Mass General Hospital, and Emory University. And then um, in another um, study I have going on with Mass General and, and Emory, we're looking at augmenting um, with omega-3s in treatment-resistant depression, people that don't respond to anything else. I really want to thank you for your patience with me today and, and for taking the time to listen to my talk. <laughs>